This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. It is another great Saturday morning here in Wichita, Kansas. Hey, good morning to you. Great to have you along for the ride this morning. Lots to get to, lots to talk about here to start off your weekend. Let's get you up and moving. What do you say? 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, it's going to be a fun one today trying to get you up and moving. Going to be a warm weekend, as you just heard. Good golly, the temperatures are back up after the flooding that we got over the last week. Last week, we had the tornado. And now we're back up into the 80s and 90s for the weekend. Perfect time to get out. I'm sure my neighbors would really appreciate if I mow the lawn at some point this weekend as well. I didn't do it last weekend. I was too busy. And now I have dandelions three feet tall in my yard. And uh, the neighbors probably not liking me too much. But, hey, we'll do that at some point this weekend. So, hey, welcome into the show. This is Kansas Talk. I am Andy Hoosier. Great to have you here on the Big Talker KQAM. Coming up on the show today, hour number two, we have State Representative J.R. Clays up from the Salina area. It's been a while since we've chatted with him on the show. So we'll get him on here live at the top of hour number two to talk about some legislative updates. The sign and die final day of the session is set for, I believe, the 23rd of this month. So in about two weeks from now, on a Monday, they don't know whether it's going to be just a single day or an entire week or what's going to uh, go on there because there are a few uh, additional agenda issues that they need to address before they wrap up for the final legislative session of 2022. So uh, everything's still kind of in limbo as of right now in the state legislature. And we'll talk about what is in limbo right now, and then we'll do a big recap like we usually do with all of the legislative leaders coming up after the program there. So at the end of May, beginning of June, we can finally say that officially the legislative session of 2022 is all wrapped up and officially done. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but the sign and die starting on the 23rd. We'll have J.R. Clay's state representative on the program here in just a little bit. Also, at the bottom of next hour as well at 1030, we're going to play our interview we did earlier this week with Dr. Ben Carson. Great interview, great chat with him, and we'll look forward to that one coming up. So this hour, open lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. We'll talk about some of the legislative issues going on, although i got to admit, the Topeka Capital Journal is very frustrating because I can't see any of their posts. No, I'm not going to sign up with your account. I want to read the damn article. Aren't you here for the people or are you here for yourself? Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Right? Right? So we'll get to some of those stories right now. There is, I have to admit, I've been watching, even on the streaming services, kind of strange, I've been watching different TV shows and during the commercials, even on streaming, on Netflix and on Hulu and on Peacock or on uh, Tubi, if you watch any of those, some of those are free, any of the streaming services, we will watch a show and then they'll have local ads on there, which is kind of interesting, and their campaign ads for Governor Kelly. She's starting early. And her campaign is pathetic because all she's really doing is saying, well, Derek Schmidt is nothing more than another brown backer. Which I get because she has no other campaign to run on, not like his platform or his ideas or anything positive that she's done because she doesn't have anything positive to actually run on. So she just has to go on the negative attack early on before he even does any type of advertising. I don't know if he's advertising at all or not, but she's gone on the slander against him, calling him a brownbacker, how he endorsed brownback, how he supported some of the brownback policies like, you know, tax cuts and things like crazy wild concepts while she's actually promoting a sales tax cut on food, which I find ironic. But there are quick little ads and I don't know if they're going to work. 
Got to be honest. I mean, we have a short attention span in the realm of politics, do we not? And if we have a short attention span, that was so like four years ago that you were attacking Brownback and trying to run against the Brownback campaign and then the Kobach campaign and now trying to go against the Derek Schmidt campaign, all with the same message is that they all side with Brownback because they have an R in front of their name and therefore they're evil. So we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. I want to shift gears, though, and I guess it's kind of a political issue. But it's more of a concerning issue for all the parents out there and grandparents and moms, especially. First off, happy Mother's Day weekend to you, all the mothers out there. I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day. I hope that your significant other does something super special for you and lets you, like, you know, sleep in and then breakfast in bed or something. And then do something really special. Go to dinner. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. But happy Mother's Day to you, all the great mothers out there. Uh, and uh, we appreciate all that you do for the children in the Ute of America, because this is an issue that I think affects you. And I really, really, as a parent, as a mom or a dad, as a grandparent, I want to get your thoughts on this issue because it's a growing concern. Now, I never had this problem as a kid, and I think this is why like rural communities and living out in the country is super awesome and absolutely rocks, because I think this is more of a city problem. And I don't quite know how to address it, and I need your thoughts as parents. Uh, now, this is a post that was outside of the Wichita area. This is actually from our town that we grew up in in Colorado, uh, Mrs. Voice of Reason and I. But uh, we're still on some different Facebook groups and community pages that, you know, keep us in tune with what's going on in that community, which I have to say I'm really glad. Thank God we don't live in Colorado. Thank God we don't live in that community anymore because it is now, even though it was like 40 minutes outside of Denver up in the mountains, it's almost like a suburb of Denver now with all the city folk that have moved up there and have destroyed that community. And I read this now because it's an issue that's, I think, happening here in the Wichita area as well and really any big city is what do you do with your children as in like preteens, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old? I mean, not uh, too old for really the babysitter style, but not old enough to be off on their own. What do you do with them as we get closer to summertime and school's just about out here in just a few weeks? What do they do? What do you do to keep them entertained? What do you do to keep an eye on them? What do you do to make sure that they're not getting into trouble? Do you, as the parent, have the responsibility to keep them entertained and make sure that they're not getting into trouble or doing something bad? Or... Have we taken the mindset now in society that it's the community's problem, they can deal with it? Here's what I mean. There was a post that came out on the uh, community page out in Colorado that really triggered Mrs. Voice of Reason to where she had to make a comment and just poke the bear and it blew up. Kudos to her. And she's officially kicked off the page now, which <laughs> that's a badge of honor. So well done, Mrs. Voice of Reason. We're, uh, you know, banding together to try and ruffle up the other side of the aisle and trigger the parents that... Uh, are, uh, um, I guess, not taking responsibility. But I want to get your thoughts because that may be, uh, maybe you disagree with me on this this issue. There's been an issue, ongoing issue, for a while now in the small community up there where uh, middle schoolers, when they get out of school, are not going directly home. The parents are still at work, probably working down in Denver and then hiking up the 40-minute 40 40 drive up the mountain up into the community to where there's a time frame when these kids, 10, 11, 12 years old, are not at home, out of school, no extracurricular activities, and are hanging out in the community. Now, I have no problem with kids having a cool hangout place at all. They need a cool hangout place, need to go do their thing, need to have some fun. However, when they become a nuisance in the community by disrupting businesses 
by loitering in places they shouldn't be loitering, by getting into trouble and heckling different individuals. There's a deeper issue there that the parents apparently don't want to take responsibility for and are now passing it on to just the community to figure out themselves. Here's what I mean. Uh, With this issue that's been going on for the last couple of years, apparently, in the community back there, and I'm saying this because I'm sure this happens here in the Wichita area as well, which is why I want to hear your stories and how we're going to address something like this going into the summer season. There's been a lot of issues with these middle schoolers that have caused issues in the community, and finally somebody snapped at one, and the parent instead of getting mad at the kid for doing something bad, is now mad at the person for snapping at their children, causing an issue. Here's what the post said in the community page. The middle schoolers hang out at King Supers, which is the grocery store back there. Uh, The middle schoolers hang out at King Supers Saga took an ugly turn today. I want to stop right there because... King Supers, the grocery store where people are trying to buy their groceries and a business is trying to run, should not be a hangout place for middle schoolers after school. I'm just saying. Just throwing that out there, but apparently it's cool for these parents. This afternoon, a middle-aged male decided to play amateur security guard and start an altercation with some children. His antics included shouting profanity across the store, attempting to make bodily contact with some teenage boys, making it really na- making really nasty threats, and attempting to physically make the children leave the store. Then, in his tirade on the way out, he decided to kick a pile of backpacks. I want to stop right there for a second. Apparently, all of these middle school kids come and drop their backpacks in the middle of the store to the point to where the grocery store had to say, hey, no backpacks in the store. Drop them out here by the front door out in this area because there's so many kids just hanging out after school, doing nothing, being a nuisance, loitering. The grocery store had to make a policy to make a pile of the backpacks at the at the front door outside and apparently this guy ended up kicking the backpack. He On his tirade out, he decided to kick the pile of backpacks and break a laptop within my son's backpack that happened to be in the pile. The license plate number, physical description, witness statements, blah, 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 blah. Security camera footage have all been recovered from the Jeffco Sheriff. If you recognize the Ford truck with the rack in the bed from the pictures of it or any of your children happen to witness the incident, I'd appreciate a direct message or you can prefer to reach out to the deputy with the Jeffco Sheriff Department and reference the case number, yada, yada. Or if Mr. Vigilante would like to reach out to me to apologize, discuss manners, make arrangements for replacing the laptop, and have a grown-up discussion about this with someone his own age before it turns into a bigger issue that it needs to, I'm happy to oblige. Say what you want about kids and their behavior, but it seems that some adults need to make better choices. This is the post that was made on the community page. Now, I have serious issues with this. Mrs. Voice of Reason has serious issues with this, but no one was saying anything outside of the, I'm so sorry this happened. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy did this, or whatever. And Mrs. Voice of Reason, rightfully so, made a comment that got her banned off the page saying, wait a second, why is your kid being a nuisance, loitering at a grocery store, and causing havoc for someone to actually finally snap? which the guy shouldn't have snapped, should have snapped. I mean, that's up for discussion itself. That's an entirely separate issue. That wouldn't have happened if maybe your kid wasn't loitering at a grocery store being a nuisance to people in the community when they get out of school because they have nowhere else to go. And you as a parent either haven't taught your kid to be better to behave in public to not be a nuisance or actually take responsibility to make make sure your kid is not out in public doing something like this. Now, we're going into the summer season. School's about out. 
which means while we as adults continue to adult and go to work and pay our bills and do our thing, the kids are going to have free reign without going to school all day long. Is this going to be a nuisance that they do as their hangout place at the grocery store throughout the entire season? Here in the Wichita area, I've heard rumors, I don't know if it's true or not, heard tweet tweets, that some individuals end up buying like season passes to the zoo to drop their kids off at the zoo all day long to hang out. Or to go to, I don't know, a grocery store. Or to go to some other place to let them hang out all day long, unsupervised. Here's some cash, have some fun, we'll see you at the end of the day. And I'm trying to think of what my childhood was like around that age to where my parents were still working. I wasn't in school. What did I do? But then I realized I lived out in the country. I lived away from all of this. I didn't live in the city and I had chores, which means I didn't get to go to friend's house because they were too far away because we lived out in a rural community to where it took way too long to get there. I didn't have a car to go drive there. So I guess I was just stuck at home doing my own thing. I had chores to do where I had to cut wood and split wood by hand. I had to stack wood. I had to go work outside. I had to go do this. I had to go do that. I had projects and and, and, and things to do in the country that kept me busy. So I didn't have this problem. So I'm asking you as city folk, people who live in the city, parents who are now dealing with this now with a, a preteen who's about ready to go into the summer season, what do you do with your kids during the summertime? And how do you keep them out of trouble by you know being a good parent, telling them what's right and what's wrong, not being a nuisance? Do you just drop them off at a community place during the summertime and be like, hey, you know, have fun, we'll see you at the end of the day? And are they just running rampant throughout the zoo or throughout certain you know events going on in the community and just letting them do their own thing? Are they hanging out at grocery stores and being a nuisance and being in the way of other people? Is they're just hanging out, letting the time pass by them? What do you do with the kids during the summertime or right now after school when you're not quite off work and they're just kind of hanging out? Is it the community's problem to figure out what to do with the kids and trying to find extracurricular activities? Or is it you as the parent that's responsible for your own damn kids uh, when they have, quote unquote, free time? And does this person... Is this person right in saying that whoever this guy was that snapped at the middle schoolers with their backpacks and kicked the backpack and broke the laptop, is it his responsibility to replace it, or is it the parent's responsibility for making sure the kid wasn't actually agitating customers of a grocery store going into uh, the store each and every day? So I'm curious on your thoughts on this. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Kind of an interesting conversation. I want to hear from you parents with preteens. I'm not there yet. My daughter's about to turn eight. And she's not quite to that level yet because she can't be unsupervised yet. So when she gets to that level, what does she do? How do we handle an issue like this? I'd love to hear your thoughts right here on KQAM on Kansas Talk. We'll take your phone calls. we got some lined up when we come back. 20 minutes past the hour. Kind of an interesting discussion going into summer season as we are just a few weeks away from Memorial Day and the end of the school season. It is hard to believe that the school year of 2022 is just about wrapped up. Back after this here on Kansas Talk on KQAM. Five minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Great to have you for a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for the weekend. Parenting during the summertime. How difficult is it? What do you do with your kids 
during the summertime. Are there extracurricular activities? Do you allow them to go loiter and hang out in certain places? And have you been the parent to teach them what's right and what's wrong? There's been an ongoing issue in many communities all over the country and even here in Wichita. I mean, what do you do? I've heard, again, heard the rumor. Is it true that you that people buy, like, season passes to the water park or to the zoo or to whatever and just let them hang out there all summer long? Here's some cash. Go to your thing, and that's the hangout place, and they just kill out the time there. Should we like lower ages for kids to work? I think because I think that would be like solve all the issues. Let them go work in a, in a convenience store here. Let them work at a retail store that can't find any help right now with all the jobs available, and actually work and sell and learn a quality or, or a trade or something like that. You would think that would be the solution to it here. Uh, Mrs. Voice of Reason saw this post that we just read in the last break, uh, talking about this uh, this middle school hangout place in Colorado in our old community where they've been a nuisance. Backpacks uh, strewn all about the front doors of the grocery store, loitering, hanging out, heckling some of the customers there. And then one guy finally snapped, kicked a backpack, broke a laptop, and the parent, instead of being upset and saying, hey, kid, you better not be disrespecting people in public at the grocery store, instead says, hey, how dare you come after my kid like that, and you need to replace the backpack, and we're going to go to the cops. Is this the right way to do it? Why are we allowing them to later? And as a parent, I'm curious from your thoughts on how we actually handle an issue like this, especially going into a summer season where it's not just a couple hours after school, but it's all day long while we're at work and they're hanging out doing their own thing. Uh, phone's lit up. Let's go right to it here. 316-721-8255. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? It's the Minister of Pain, Sean. Sean, how are you, sir? Uh-huh. What a beautiful morning, man. Beautiful morning. Beautiful. Yep, 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 yep. In fact, uh, I got a quick joke for you. All right, what you got? What's the last word, the famous last words out of a redneck's mouth? Mm, hold my beer. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You got just about two minutes before we got that heartbreak at the bottom of the hour. What's what's your? How do we handle this? Have you seen any kids running rampant around the community? No, but, uh, you know, I'm not a parent, but I, I was a kid once myself, and I'd recommend they get a job for the summer. Yeah. I had my first job when I was 13, you know, working during the summer at a, as a bus boy at uh, Bill Villar's El Mexico Cafe down there on South Seneca. Mm. That was back in 78. So, yeah, they could get a job. You know, like I said, I'm not a parent, but I was a kid once myself. But I had something really important I wanted to talk about, and all the time is gone. Unless you want to hold me over. Oh, I tell you what. All right, I'll, I'll hold you on the line here for a little bit. I uh, we'll we'll see if we have some time here in just a few minutes. We got just a couple minutes before we have to take a bottom of the hour break. Let's take another phone call here, shall we? Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Scott, what's happened, sir? Well, I see that the bureaucrats and the elected officials have once again failed the state of Kansas and Wichita when they have spent. $370 million on the correctional system. And at the same time, you talk about kids being delinquent and uh, you have people who could use that money to train, to uh, get jobs, education, all types of things that could be done. Some kids extracurricular stuff. Yeah, keep them out of trouble by keeping them busy and having fun during the summertime. Right, and you have adults who could use that same money to train and uh you know to do different type of trades or even 
uh, get higher education. I mean, $370 million on correctional, that's, uh, that's, that's unacceptable. This state, the bureaucrats, the elected officials have failed the people of Kansas, and they need to remember that when it comes to election time. Yeah, well, that's, a lot of these folks out. Sure, that's a great point, Scott. I appreciate that uh, very much. I mean, we're our, if we're going to spend money in the community for something, let's keep people out of trouble by keeping them entertained, as opposed to just building a bigger prison in order to put them in when they get in trouble. I mean, there's an investment there, but again, does that go to the community or does that go to the individual's responsibility on how the kids act? Interesting conversation. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today. Kansas Talk, Saturday morning, trying to get you up and going. All presented by Phil's Coins. They are officially open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Make sure to check them out for all your buying or selling needs for all your gold and silver. With honesty and integrity, it's Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading. Also online at philscoins.com. Go and check them out. We'll get another update from Phil Martinez next weekend on the gold and silver market. It's been a really strange market for sure. It was down last week. This week it's back up. and It's all over the place. We don't know what the heck's going to go on there. He's still predicting some ridiculous prices for silver. So if you are looking at trying to stock up for an emergency fund or for a collection or for you know whatever reason you may be, then uh, you can actually walk out with gold or silver in your hand and you can get out there and actually get the inventory. And he's one of the few places that actually has the inventory uh, in stock right now. So Phil's Coins, go check them out, 9344 West Central Avenue until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. Get an ancient coin for your uh, significant other, a special mom in your life, and and uh, give it to them. That'd be kind of cool. Hey, well, this was used at a bar stool in the 500s B.C., and uh, this is, you know, how we bought a beer back in the day. So hopefully you enjoy <laughs> I'm sure your mom would enjoy that. All right, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Uh, your thoughts on this issue with the parenting, especially going into the summertime, the preteens. Where's the hangout places? How do you teach your kids to be, um, uh, I guess, just respectable in public? And is it okay to have them hang out in grocery stores in different places in public for uh, the summertime or after school while you're waiting to pick them up. Again, I never had this problem growing up as a kid. I was in the country. I had chores to do. I had to split wood. I had to do projects. I had to do stuff while they were at work, and they had to be done by the time they got home or else I'd be in trouble. I was too far away without a driver's license to go and hang out with kids or other friends or do things, except for when it was planned and preordained it to be happening. Uh, so the city is a little bit different because I never grew up in the city. So how does that work for kids here? Is that just the norm? I'm telling you, there are really easy fixes to this issue, but it's something that the the quote-unquote woke-up parents that try to be the friends as opposed to the parents to the children don't like by putting them to work because that would be child labor laws. How dare you put my kid to work? We have an issue with uh, the agricultural community right now. I'm sure they could use some help, you know, bailing hay or, you know, working on the farm or clearing out stalls. Like, heck, I say we take the kids and we put them on the bus in the morning and we ship them out to different farms around the communities, out in the rural communities, and then they work all day there. And then they come back the same time the parents are getting off work. <laughs> I mean, hey, you make them learn a trait by bussing tables or working at a retail store and making minimum wage. 
and you know they can learn that way as well. I don't know how long, how early are you allowed to actually get a job? Do you have to be 18 to actually legally work? I mean, I'm assuming so right now, but why not lower that down to the preteen age and let them just do basic, simple jobs, entry-level positions? Obviously, those are the jobs that aren't being opened right now and are actually being filled after the COVID-19 pandemic and those were shut down. Why don't we offer an opportunity for those kids to do something like that instead of this entitled weird mentality from many parents especially, you know, these larger cities like Denver area like that to where, oh, hey, you know, they're hanging out at the grocery store and then someone got mad because they were a nuisance and then they tried to berate my child and then kicked their backpack that broke the laptop and how dare they go after my child like that. Let's take it to another step further. When Mrs. Voice of Reason commented on a post like this, they lost their minds to get mad at her for being entitled because how dare that we say that young preteens shouldn't be unsupervised out in public like that, which isn't really the point of the story. It should be if they should not be unsupervised if they don't know how to handle themselves respectively in the community. But why would you allow your kid just to be like randomly roaming businesses without parental, you know, at least knowing where they're at or what they're doing and if they're okay or if they're actually being uh, respectable in the community. It's just a weird, and it really does show the mindset of many parents today where, you know, the community needs to take care of my kid. As Scott mentioned before the bottom of the hour break there, well, you know, we're spending so much money in the city and in the county to try and build these new facilities and jails and prisons for people that are breaking the law. We could be spending that money to invest into it for programs for the kids and for people before they get into trouble to teach them how not to get into trouble and to keep them entertained during the summer times or, you know, after school or wherever to where we can catch it before they're doing the bad things, which I can see and I can go along with that. But again, I think that's even too much of a community-based investment as well. It's solely up, and this is me, the limited government, laissez-faire, free market capitalist individual guy that I am. It's solely up to the parents to figure out how to keep their kids in line, how to teach them the right and wrong, how to keep them busy, how to give them chores. I know that's a trigger thing to make your kids actually have to work sometimes. I know it's very difficult. But it's weird that this is where we're at in society, the parenting where it's just like, yeah, tell the teachers to uh, uh, teach them about the sexual education. Have the school take care of them. School, why don't you have any extracurricular activities for my kid after school? They're getting in trouble. Really? Why don't we just teach them how not to get in trouble as the parent? I know that's wild. Uh, or maybe like instead of hanging out, be like, hey, no, you're not going to go hang out at the grocery store for two hours before I get home from work. You're going to come home and you're going to do your homework so we can spend family time together. Again, that's a wild, wild concept. But going into the summertime, what do we do with the kids? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that uh, as we Get into summertime now. School's about out in a couple of weeks. Do you just drop them off at the zoo or at the mall or at uh, some place and just be like, here's some cash, have some fun. We'll see you at the end of the day when I get off work. Is that how we hang out? Is that how we te deal with kids today? Again, I have no clue because I grew up on the farm and I'd had to... My my thing was always splitting wood. My parents were always like, oh, you got to split the wood. Got to gotta cut the wood. Not like the splitter, the actual hand mall. I had to split that by hand. That was the chore, and I'm so glad I never want to see a piece of wood again in my life. But it kept me busy. Or I would entertain my kids because I would be old enough so I could you know, watch my younger siblings that were a few years younger than me. And that was our chore, and we would play, and we would have fun, and we would do our thing, but it would be home not getting into trouble. 
We didn't have a whole lot of internet, so it wouldn't be just sitting there surfing on the internet uh, getting in trouble online either. It wasn't on the phone getting in trouble with the phones either. So times are different. How do we handle something like that? I'm curious on your thoughts. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hi. Good morning. It's Mrs. It's Voice of Reason. Mrs. Voice of Reason. This is uh, definitely uh, ruffling the feathers online. So first off, well done on that one. And you finally did uh, spur some other individuals to make a comment on this topic and actually start standing up for this. But at first it was like people didn't want to make this the this statement. No, no. And it's been going on in that small community for over two years. And it's not just a city thing at all. It's more of a loss of respect issue. And it's happening everywhere. It's just predominantly um, strikes close to home for us, obviously. But I've seen it a lot a well, as well around the community, like in Wichita and, you know, when I'm out on outings, but not to that magnitude by no means. What I think the deeper issue is, is parents are not the home, the family home values are broken Mm. in society. And it is very clear. Parents no longer parent their children. Children are running rapid. And why are we seeing spikes in like Antifa? And we are seeing spikes and people don't listen to authority. Imagine the next generation in about another 20 years having all of today's children that are causing this mayhem as adults. What's going to happen then? So this is a societal issue. This is a definitely a very big political issue. And I don't think anyone's really addressing it at that state either. Um, and that's another thing that we need to really look at when it comes to politics and into voting is the, how it affects the family and the family dynamic. Yeah. Well, it, it is very true. And it's just weird how parents today are just so hands off. And I, and I get, you know, I'm, I I despise like the helicopter parenting and we're not doing anything like that and, and discuss, well, you're not allowed to go anywhere unless I'm there with you. But it's the such the hands off of the lack of parental teachings of wisdom or respect or manners to where we don't even do that anymore because, well, it's the school's job to do that for me. And then when the teacher gets mad at them, we see now where teachers are now leaving because they can't punish the students for doing something bad because when they do bad in a classroom or in a grade or they act out and the teacher gets mad at them, the teacher gets in trouble, not the students. So we're really teaching the kids to be really these spoiled brats in society and it's bleeding over into the community. It is lack of consequences. And that's what society is really failing at here is people forget that there's consequences to good and bad. Yeah. And think about the role models. They're seeing their parents at home ripping other people to shreds on Facebook or online or behind a computer screen saying what they say. I mean, social media has taken such a drastic change as far as people's personalities go. Um, Back in the day, you would never say some of the things that people are saying now through their screens. You don't say that to people's faces. At least you didn't then. But now people have gotten so bold with it. And these kids are seeing this and they're using it and going, oh, if mom could talk that way, so can I. Like, yeah. no one can touch me. I'm fine. And that's what it comes down to is lack of respect and lack of consequences. And there was a teacher um, that made a comment saying that he taught at this particular school for 24 years, loves his job, but he's never seen such unruliness and lack of consequences and a lack of discipline from the students. And then when trying to talk with their parents, hoping that they could help these students and their accountability, the parents tore him apart as well. And because of this, he said he could no longer take it. It's actually turned into quite a dangerous situation for him even. Oh. And people would rather resort to violence now 
than sitting down and being responsible or having a conversation or taking any ownership. Well, it's gotten to the boiling point. It's gone on for so long that uh, and people have tried to be tolerant and people have tried to just deal with it. And it's finally getting to a boiling point where people are lashing out now. And the parents are the ones who get all fired up because, well, how dare you lash out against us? It's, it's a strange situation. And I'm curious to hear from many right. teachers as well that are now dealing with some of this, which I have to admit, the, the especially middle school teachers, I don't know how you do it. Like, that's the most awkward time for kids, and they're going through a lot of crap, and then with the parenting thing on top of it, like, I think the middle school teachers God bless them. Uh, yeah, are, like, the most, <laughs> like, you know, tolerant people on the face of the earth, and I don't know how they do that. I don't either, so God bless them. Um, my goodness, it's a definitely a rough time for, you know, the children as well as any adults in their lives. Like, it's just middle school age is not a fun age. Yeah, You couldn't pay me to go back at the same time, though. I <laughs> never lashed out and ever disrespected an adult that age. But then again, my parents had me cleaning horse dolls. Yeah, see, it was, a, it was yeah. an entirely different lifestyle. <laughs> and again, living in the city here. It's very difficult. Mrs. Voice of Reason, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion for sure, and it is a frustrating one, and it's I think it's only going to get worse during the summertime. So I appreciate that call from Mrs. Voice of Reason there. I do. I want to hear from the teachers as well from you that have to deal with this. And, the, and again, I love teachers to death, and we support the teachers, and we defend the teachers constantly on this program between the administrative crap that comes down from the bureaucracy on what you're allowed to teach with different curriculum, and then the parents that come after you because the, well, I mean, obviously the kid can't do any wrong, so it's your fault for obviously getting them in trouble and making them fail the certain test. I'm curious on your thoughts there as well. So uh, I know I've spent a lot of time on this topic, but it's only going to get worse, and we'll bring this back up as we get closer to the summertime as well. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Let's shift gears here briefly as we uh, get ready to wrap up our number one. But uh, Mr. Sean, bringing a different topic here to the program here. Sean, what do you got for us today, brother? Hey, thanks for uh, holding me over. Hey, uh, <clears throat> back in 20, late in 2016, when Trump was running for president, uh, as a part of a uh, theory I was developing, I made a prediction to uh, uh, some friends, and it was kind of a, it was a really a two-part prediction. And the first one was is that um, uh, I believe that uh, I predicted that Trump would get three justices on the Supreme Court in his first term, mm -hmm. conservative one. And that prediction, by the way, almost didn't come to pass because. I didn't expect Ginsburg to hold on as long as she did, and she managed to hold on almost to the very end. So, But uh, nonetheless, that came true. The second part of that prediction was you'd see the end of abortion where at least Roe v. Wade overturned either in his first term or his second term, probably more likely his second term, which obviously he didn't get. That's why I was caught totally by surprise when uh, uh, Justice Alito's uh, brief got leaked um, earlier this week, which is the story of the week for me, yeah. because uh, <clears throat> it looks like they was going to overturn Roe v. Wade in June, but now because of this leak, hopefully they'll do it sooner uh, before uh, the Democrats can try to do something to stop them. And uh, it, you know, and, and like I said, if this holds, that is the big. Uh, that's a that's a that's like it. Yeah. It, it, inspirational 
Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, we're going to spend some time on that in hour number two here, so that's a perfect segue, and I appreciate that because we are going to talk about the Supreme Court leaked issue, what's going on in D.C., how it affects us here in the state of Kansas as well with some of the rules and laws that we have in our state. Uh, but you're right. What are the Democrats going to do? I mean, they technically can't do a whole lot outside of, you know, the Supreme Court making their own decisions because of their own branch and their own entity at the government level. But what they are trying to do is bully and intimidate through the use of terrorism, essentially, through left-wing activism to try and go and protest at their front doors and try and blackmail them and intimidate them to change their opinion. So we'll see if that actually works or not. But how does that affect us here in the state of Kansas? I am curious on that. We'll talk about some of that in hour number two. So, Sean, perfect segue. I appreciate that, brother. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we have to we'll chat with the AARP. What's going on with the AARP? We'll talk with them, and then we'll get into that in hour number two with J.R. Glaze. Stay here. We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator, getting involved with the community. Make sure to check them out at the aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Make sure to find them and follow them on their social media as well. And Glenda's back on the line with us today. Glenda, how are you? I am doing well today, Andy. Yes. Yeah, very good. Always good to talk with you. Let's talk about some awards, the Andrus Award nominations. For those that may not know, I I remember you guys talking about this every year with the award nominations, but it is open now. What is the Andrus Award, and uh, how can people qualify for something like this? Right. Okay. Well, thank you again, Andy, for the opportunity. I really want to share that AARP Kansas, is now uh, pleased to announce that the nominations are open and being accepted for our 2022 AARP Kansas Andrus Award for Community Service. This is uh, AARP's most prestigious award, and uh, it's a volunteer award that's very visible for uh, people who have done extremely uh, excellent or outstanding community service. It recognizes outstanding Kansas age 50 plus, who are making a powerful difference in their communities in ways that you know, are really consistent with AARP's purpose, our vision, and then our own commitment to volunteer service. And so we do this to inspire them and to inspire others uh, to volunteer. I love it. Now, this can be any type of volunteer, isn't it? Just anything that you want to do with the community to help out? Yes, anything that you do that's not your job, um, uh, but you're just doing some volunteer service or working with an organization um, that you've done or several organizations however you the uh, individual actually performs their their volunteer service in the community and uh, it's really for um, people who have worked for different programs and different organizations a volunteer for them how do you nominate somebody to qualify for the uh, for the award you uh, there's a volunteer um, there's a nomination form and uh, there's a letter that's going out uh, that we're sending out a call for me and our state president, and so um, our members should be receiving that. But you can also access the form and submit nominations online, and that is at aarp.org slash award. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also our um, project coordinator for this at our office here in Kansas is Mary Trish, and you can reach Mary uh, by contacting our office and her, and her email at mtrish at aarp.org. I love that. Now, what is the deadline for individuals to qualify for this? Yes, yes. Uh, we really, our deadline is July the 15th, and uh, it's just the way uh, here, uh, July 15th, 2020, and we really want people, we really would like to have lots of nominations, right? 
because number one, it's being nominated is quite an honor. Uh, so the persons are, are made aware that they are nominated and it helps them to understand how much their service is valued. So by uh, July the 15th is our deadline. The 15th of July. Now, how many nominees do you really, usually get each year? Um, you know, I would say uh, probably 15 to 20. That might be uh, about an average number uh, that we, we normally get. Uh, but we really accept as many as, as we can because it really, uh, again, shows how many, number one, we have volunteers across Kansas and how they are impacting their different communities. They're sure. all exceptional volunteers. Absolutely. There's always a lot of volunteers. And we're and people... looking forward to. Um... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That's great. Yes, I was going to say we're looking forward to receiving them and uh, being able to review them and, and um, the, the committee to actually review them and make a decision for our uh, 2022 Andrews Award winner. Amen and that's to typically, that. um, yeah, that, that's typically done. The um, uh, recognition is done in the November time frame. Especially now with all with COVID and with everything that we've had to go through the last few years, it is great to see people really stepping up and trying to help out their communities. And uh, so I'm assuming that you're going to get a lot of really great qualified individuals for this award this year. Yes, we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got uh, what else is going on here with the AARP? You always have your virtual events as well. We're uh, out of tax season. We always have the Fraud Watch Network that you guys are working on. But what else is happening with the AARP? Yes, well, our Fraud Watch uh, Fridays will be the third Friday in May. So that will be coming up. So we want people to really tune into that. And again, our virtual concerts. We're certainly all, always excited about um, you know sharing that good entertainment on those. And on Wednesdays at 10 o'clock, our coffee chats. We have some excellent speakers on those uh, coffee chats also with Andy Bozart. So just a lot of things going on here. And if people are just willing and interested in being a part of AARP volunteers, we'd certainly like to hear from them. Always great stuff going on with you guys. And offer that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Always great stuff going on with the AARP. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them, follow them on the social media as well. And make sure to get nominated for the Andrus Award uh, with the nominations going on until July. Glenda, it's always good to talk with you. Let's do it again next week. We will. You take good care, Andy. There it is. That's the AARP. Good chat with Glenda. Always good to chat with her. We'll get them back on the program again next weekend as well. All right. That does it for hour number one. Lots of great conversation there. There's a political slant to that parenting and child issue as well, which there's an attack on the family values, which makes it even all the more frustrating, all the more challenging. Does it negate us of our responsibilities? Obviously not, but it does make things obviously more challenging. We'll talk about some of that a little bit in hour number two as well. Plus... The Supreme Court issue with the leaked document, the opinion, is it going to change the opinion of the Supreme Court justices with the ongoing protests and the intended uh, terrorism of the other side of the aisle trying to change that? And what does that mean for the state of Kansas? We'll get into all that and more. Plus, J.R. Clay, state representative, right around the corner for hour at the top of the hour in hour number two on Kansas Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Wow, what a morning we've had already. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two is officially here for Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker. 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Good Saturday morning to you. Trying to get you up and moving for the day. 
Had an interesting conversation for sure in the first hour. Parenting. Is it getting more challenging? And what do we do about it with the, you know, lack of extracurricular activities? The summertime with kids, preteens. Too old to have a babysitter, not old enough to be off on their own, doing their own thing, causing havoc in communities. What do we do to take care of them while we try and work? I mean, there's a political spin to that, obviously. The breakdown of the family values has been going on for years by making inflation extremely high. We're at, what, 8.5% right now. Uh, We're getting back to the Jimmy Carter era right now, which makes it more and more difficult, which means both parents have to go out and work, working longer hours, working multiple jobs, being more Uh, working more and spending less time with the family, meaning the kids are off to fend for themselves. And that causes an issue, which is what we're seeing now in the communities where they're loitering in grocery stores, causing havoc and uh, being a nuisance to different customers and to the businesses overall. And then when the community snaps, then people, uh, the parents, instead of getting mad at the kid for doing something bad, they're like, "Uh uh-uh, and then they go after the business or the people that are angry and fed up with them causing a nuisance in the community. Very strange world that we live in today, is it not? Very strange indeed. Welcome in. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. All presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. He's like the only guy, not just in Wichita or in the South Central Kansas area or in the state of Kansas or in the Mid-America region uh, that actually has gold and silver on hand with such a high crazy demand that there is. If you buy it anywhere else, you're looking at like seven weeks out to get it ordered and get it shipped to you. He's got it in stock right now and he's open until 2 30 this afternoon also online at philscoins.com bottom of this hour we're going to replay our interview we did earlier this week with dr ben carson with his new book that's out talking about race relations in the nation really honored to have him on the program during our national broadcast during the week with the voice of reason and we appreciate his time we'll play that interview uh, to wrap up the show here in just a little bit but on the phone with us right now to give a legislative update as we are close to the end of the session 2022 the sign and die date i believe is the 23rd so in a couple of weeks here they'll go back for a day or two and wrap some things up for the end of the session but what a session it's been here in the state of kansas taxes and budgets and uh the 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 bathroom thing or the sports thing or the, the sports gambling thing there's a lot of craziness that's going on and excited to have this guy on the program because I got to be honest, I don't think we've actually had him on the show since he's uh, transitioned from the House uh, House of Representatives to the state uh, Senate. So, Senator, instead of House member, Senator J.R. Clay is on the line with us here. J.R., how are you, brother? I'm doing great, Andy. Great to be with you. I guess that makes me trans-legislative. Ah, you're trans-legislative. There you go. I like that. <laughs> there we go. Boom. Uh, boom. There it is. No, uh, and we haven't talked much from, from the Senate side of things this year. And I know that it's been more difficult to get some things out of the Senate this year than it has the House. The House has had uh, nicely this year a little bit more of a Republican majority there, almost a supermajority of even conservatives trying to ram through some stuff. But for you guys, it's been a little bit slower this year overall, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. You know, there's there have been a few things that we weren't able to get through the House that did make it through the Senate, um, both in in legislative matters, but then also veto overrides. You know, those veto overrides were were tough to watch, um, especially when it comes to some of what you spoke about before. You know, the the curriculum transparency really speaks to family values and the the morals of our society, and it's just really bizarre that you know something as simple as having materials that are being presented to your children available for you to, to look at 
Yeah. Uh, I, I don't understand what the teachers unions uh, think they're doing when it comes to hiding these things from parents and taxpayers who are footing the bill for this kind of stuff. And I think, you know, it, it's one of those things where it makes no sense. And, and we don't really understand why a small minority of Kansas teachers have such a strong desire to talk about their sexual preferences and identities with children. And it, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to us until you really start to break it down and you realize that it's all about the dissolution of the nuclear family and the promotion of the state as the parent. Yeah, That's really what they're after. They truly believe that your children belong to them, that these are not your children, that they are the state's children. And that's what they want, ultimately. They want the state to be the primary caretaker of the children and raising them in this perverted ideology uh, that really says that you know, women are, are no longer women, men are no longer men. And it's, it's just a, it's a really difficult thing to wrap your mind around when you see that there are good Republicans who were voting against that veto override over in the House and allowed that uh, to die when it came to just simply allowing parents to see these things. You know, I have a school district, I'm from Salina. Um, in my Senate district is Salina and Abilene and USD 305 is the Salina school district. The board um, was was threatened with uh, threatened by parents who were willing to come up and stand before the board and read to them the things that were available to children in the school library. Mm. And it was it was so off putting to them that they prevented these parents from speaking. And now they will not allow they will not allow parents to come and speak at their board meetings ever again. There's no longer public comment at USD 305 board meetings. Absolutely. Is that even even legal? Can you just say, sorry, parents, you're not allowed to have an input on your kids' education to the school board that's there to serve the kids and the parents in the local community. That's insane. Absolutely. It's it's ridiculous, Andy. And, And I think every Kansas parent and taxpayer, because remember, we're all paying the bill, whether our kids in that school or not, but we're, we're just kind of getting to that point where we're just fed up. And if, if you're not allowed, this is the thing, you know, I, I work on campaigns for a living outside of serving in the legislature. It would be illegal for me to put what is in these books on a postcard and send it to parents to notify them what is allowed in these school libraries. The content is that pornographic that the U.S. Postal Service would not allow me to put it on a visible postcard and send it through the postal mail. So in other words, it would we be can't... rated R if it, yeah, if it were in a movie theater, it would be rated R. Wow. So it in other words, we don't even know what's in there. We, we're not allowed to go and see it. We're not allowed to comment on it in the school board meeting, and you're not even allowed to post it on a post because it's that graphic to post it in there and send it to parents. I mean, so in other words, yeah. we have no say in what books are going to be allowed in the school libraries. At this point, it really seems like we don't. You know, they will claim that there's a process, and of course, the process is a group of people who are appointed by the superintendent, and that rarely results in an amount of diversity that's going to have a conservative thought on it. So we don't anticipate that any victories are going to be found that way. It's time that parents, you know, I keep telling folks when I go stand before groups, we we, we aren't seeing a wave like the 2010 wave. You know, the 2010 conservative wave was, it was about taxes and government overreach. 
this wave is a wave of parents that is coming. Yeah. And it is it is a wave of parents. And I tell people we're not woke, but we are awake. And we have we have we have figured out what their game is. And you are going to see, you saw it in the Wichita School District. I worked on several of those races. We we are going to see school boards start flipping. We're going to start start seeing some real activity where parents are getting out, getting engaged, and voting in these elections. These are elections that used to have 9% turnout, 15% turnout. You're going to start seeing parents showing up at the polls to do something about this in these odd-numbered years when we have these local elections. And there's going to be a lot more activity on these. These school board members, they're not going to last making decisions like this that are against the interests of our children. Because the ultimate question is, whose children are they? Yeah. I believe I believe that your children are your children. I, I completely don't believe agree. children. Yeah, I completely agree. These school board members have been on a high horse for a long time because they've been untouchable. They've been untouched for so long and... I, it's our fault as parents because we weren't engaged early on to challenge them and to keep them kind of, you know, bring them a peg down or two. You know, when they try to get on this high horse, we've just been so complacent and, and so lazy about it that we were just going along with it. And now it's gotten to the point to where it's frustrating. It took us this long to get to this point. But you're right. Now we are awake. We're not woke in the you know political sense of the woke term, but we are awake now. Know what's going on, and we're changing it. So we're kind of late to the game, but at least we're here and we're starting to make that change. And right. when you upset Mama Bear, that is different than saying, "Hey, taxes are too high and government regulations too stringent," as opposed to my child's being drastically impacted even at the local level in their school district. And that's an entirely different red wave that's coming. That's going to be bigger than I think that they're what uh, they're in, uh, they're prepared for. I, I think you're right. And, you know, we, we used to think it was just CRT and that, you know, these teachers, this, they wanted to pit children against each other based on their race. And, I mean, it makes it makes you uh, uh, recall the history of Democrats and segregation. Uh, but those those folks and what they were doing there was just the tip of the iceberg. The, the age-inappropriate sexual education that's happening to your children, the sexualization of your children in schools – it's it's absolutely crossed the line, and I don't think parents are going to stand up for it much longer. Yeah, that is very true. Now, with some of the bills you guys uh, worked on this year, obviously we had critical race theory issues. We had the transgender, sexual identity discussion, things that went on as well. But you guys also, it was difficult, but you guys were working on the – uh, athletic bill for women and the girls' sports bill, which has been for the last couple of years. Uh, State Senator Renee Erickson here from the Wichita area has put that up the last couple of years. Where did that end up this year, and did that end up actually passing? Yeah, she's she's done a, a great job on that. You know, it it did pass both chambers with a simple majority, and of course, then it goes to the governor, and uh, Laura Kelly vetoed that bill. <laughs> it. Uh, it, it being a, a Senate bill, it started on our side with the veto override, and we were able to override that veto in the Senate, but not in the House. And that's mm. so that's the the difficulty on that is just simply getting enough Republicans uh, in a supermajority sense to override those vetoes, and that's tough. You know, we have 86 Republicans in the House, we have an 84 vote threshold, so you can really only afford to lose two of them, uh, and that's. That's what happened is we lost more than two. So sure. uh, it's it's tough. And, you know, a lot of people have um, personal experiences with individuals who they definitely have a, a lot of um, that that 
closeness with that they don't want to upset them. Uh, and I, I don't want to upset people who are transgendered who are going through that either. But at the same time, I definitely don't want to upend the system of fairness in women's sports. And that's a much larger issue. And it, it just isn't personal. Right. It's, uh, it is a, a, a fairness issue and it, it needs to be addressed. And the Kansas State High School Activities Association just simply isn't addressing it and they're not addressing it fast enough. So it needs to be it needs to be dealt with and it needs to be dealt with soon. Well, I just find it interesting that the other side of the aisle that's all about, you know, the feminism and the women's rights and women can do everything that men can do. They're the side that's allowing men to come in and dominate women's sports and then thinking that it's okay. Like, isn't there some kind of like crossed wire there somewhere? Because I just don't understand the thought process. (laughs) There's there's definitely some cross wires, Andy, you know, and there's there's not a lot of uh, congruity to the uh, to the thought process of liberals. I mean, you had people who were saying you have no bodily autonomy and any rights when it came to being jabbed in the arm with a foreign substance. And now suddenly they're saying bodily autonomy, Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Uh Oh, I think we lost him. J.R. Clay's the state Senator from district number 24. Um, not sure what happened here. He just cut off, but we got to take a break here anyway. So that's all right. We'll see if we can't get him back on for the last minute, uh, to wrap up the bottom of the hour, but, uh, interesting conversation for sure. If we are able to get him back, I want to see what the, uh, final, agenda is for the sign and die what's left on the table for them to address before they wrap up for the session of 2022 but great conversation we appreciate him jr clay state senator district number 24 in the salina area here in the state of kansas we'll take a break we'll get your phone calls we'll see if we can't get him back for a minute as well and then we'll talk with ben carson bottom of the hour to wrap up this program for a saturday here on kansas talk here on the big talker kqam stay here Into the program, 25 minutes past the hour here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. We have him back on the line here from District Number 24, State Senator J.R. Clays, as we uh, talk about the legislative session 2022, the sign and die coming up in a couple of weeks here as they wrap up the session. But JR, as we get into the last day or a couple of days or week, however it may turn out this year. Last year, it was like a cram right at the end of the session to get some stuff done. What is on the slate? What is the top priority, the top agenda for you guys, especially in the Senate, as you go into the final couple of days of the session this year? Well, I think what we're going to do is see if uh, our friends over in the governor's office have engaged in any vetoes or line item vetoes that need overridden. But the big the big issue and why we're coming back on the 23rd is that we fully anticipate that the extremely liberal Kansas Supreme Court is going to overturn our uh, congressional maps. Mm. Uh, every 10 years, you know how this goes. We redraw the congressional maps to account for population change and the areas of Johnson and Wyandotte County, which previously held with a portion of Miami County, Congressional District 3. Uh, that area has experienced enough population growth that um, Wyandotte and Johnson County cannot be their own congressional district anymore. They have to be uh, cut up in some way, and they did not like the way that we cut them up. Uh, so they will 
likely send those back and tell us to do it all over again. And that's that's a process that we'll have to figure out what the what the court says. Those arguments have not been made yet, um, but once they are, we just have zero confidence that the court will uh, stand for the rule of law. Instead, we believe they will make their own law and that they will uh, that they will fight back against these maps simply because they do not protect Sharice Davids, and, and that's what they're after, really. They want a deep blue district in the corner of the state sure. so that they can have a, a Democrat from Kansas, and that's that's fully political, and of course, drawing a map is political, too, and there's nothing illegal about being political in your map drawing, but our maps are fully legitimate. There's nothing wrong with our maps, but they will they will torture the Constitution and the law to come up with a reason to overturn those maps. At least I'm confident they will. Uh, and I think that we'll be back the 23rd with um, with some direction from the court, because, of course, they'll have to explain themselves. Uh, and we will come up with a, a map that uh, will meet the liberal Kansas Supreme Court's objections, as we always do. Andrew, well, that was going to be my question. What would be the next step? Would it be to just redraw the lines to their uh, happiness and you appease them, or do you take it to a higher court and try to overturn their decision? I just think the timeline's narrow, Andy. You know, the, the filing deadline in Kansas is June 1st for public office, and it's mm. not fair to those who have an interest in running to not have some map set up for them. There is one uh, sort of technicality here, and we'd rather not do this, but it is legal since we did not have the addition or subtraction of a congressional district to, to go one more cycle with the existing map. Sure. So there's there's that option too, but I think for certainty amongst our congressional delegation and just the knowledge that they'll be uh, capable of running in the districts in which they serve, that it makes most sense to uh, to redraw if they give that uh, that direction that they. We most certainly think they will. I mean, they they've thrown around the words racial gerrymandering a lot, and in a in a state with a very very small uh, racial minority population, it's really difficult to understand how you justify yeah. making those claims. But they have done that, so that's where we're at. That's what they like to do. Well, that's a quick turnaround. If you guys have to redraw something or do some changes there, I mean, that's a week and a half until that filing deadline, as you mentioned. So things are in the crunch time. It's yeah. J.R. Clay, State Senator, District Number Twenty Four. It's good to talk to you, my friend. It's been a while since we've had you on the air. Keep up the fight. Let's get you back on here again here soon. Yeah, thanks, Andy. I appreciate the time. You betcha. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right, we'll take a break. Bottom of the hour. When we come back, we'll play our interview from Dr. Ben Carson. We had on the air just a few days ago on The Voice of Reason. Plus, we'll get more of your phone calls to wrap up the show today for a Saturday here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQOM. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Yes, indeedy. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out last half hour on the home stretch here on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Always appreciate the phone calls, conversations we have, great discussions. Love to get your feedback on some of this stuff. The child issue, the parenting issue, the legislative issues, the redistricting issues. We'll talk about the Supreme Court here in just a little bit as well with their leaked opinion, how it's going to affect Kansas abortion issues nationwide versus 
Kansas legislation. We'll do some of that uh, coming up in a little bit as well. But we sat down just a few days ago on our national broadcast with the Voice of Reason with Dr. Ben Carson on his latest book talking about race relations here in the state uh, in the nation. And uh, a great guy. It was a great honor to be able to sit down and chat with him. And this is what he had to say on our program. Dr. Carson, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Very glad to be with you. Thanks I, for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the program. This has been such a hot topic, and it drives me nuts. The The concept of identity politics bugs the heck out of me because, to me, when someone brings up the identity politics argument and the victimization and all the issues that we see, it to me it's like such a low IQ argument because they can't debate substance of what's really wrong, wrong with society. It's just the kind of the cop-out, isn't it? Well, it is, and it's hard to understand how people believe that you know, getting white people to feel guilt and getting black people to feel victimhood is going to help us. Yeah. <laughs> how does that improve the situation in the long run? And uh, you know, one of the reasons that uh, my wife and I wrote this book is because we've seen the way that the race issue is being used to drive wedges in our society. We're trying to drive wedges on the basis of race, gender, income, age, religion, you name it drive wedge, divide the people. And it's a, it's a critical issue because the United States of America is a very strong nation and has led the world for quite some time. Uh, and when before we became a power, there were all these despotic leaders going around trampling on anybody who was weaker than they were. Yeah. And uh, we stabilized that to a large degree. But now as we're weakening, those despots are starting to reappear. And, uh, you know, we need we need strength in our nation and we need unity. And there are those who want to fundamentally change us into something else. They want a government-centric nation as opposed to a people-centric nation. Yeah. And we need people to be informed about what's going on. That is very true. It's sad because you're right. It is the wedge that they know how to hit right at the heart of America and the heart of the emotional uh, side of America to where they can divide us so well. I read a story yesterday about an elementary school in Washington, D.C., where their home project was to go home and find the racist member of their family at like the age of five years old. I mean, uh, I, now my daughter, she's seven. She's about to turn eight. That's not a conversation we've had because she has friends that are all different skin colors and she doesn't even look at that stuff. We're literally training kids at the young age to be like, hey, they're different because their skin color is different, which creates racism. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a friend, his granddaughter came home crying and she said, Grandpa, am I evil because I'm white? Obviously, they're hearing this stuff in school. Wow. And I think it's pernicious. And, and look what you're doing to the minority kids by saying that you cannot achieve at the highest levels because of the way this system is stacked against you. You know, my mother, who had less than a third grade education, I got married at age 13, trying to escape dire poverty in rural Tennessee, never accepted excuses from us. Mm. And uh, she always said, do you have a brain? If the answer was yes, then you could have thought your way out of that situation. It doesn't matter what somebody else did or said. And, you know, we can't go around giving people excuses for failure and making them uh, feel that they're not in charge of their own lives. And we also need to recognize that in America, we have made enormous strides in terms of uh, race relationships. Just in my lifetime, 
when I was a little kid and a black person came on a television in a non-servile role, it was a big deal. You called everybody and everybody who watched. They were fascinated. And uh, now in the same lifetime, we have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and heads of all kinds of philanthropic firms. We've had a president elected twice. We have a vice president. I mean, the list goes on and on. All of that's happened in one lifetime. Yeah. And uh, so to say that we haven't made progress is ab- absolutely silly. And then you have the 1619 Project, CRT, also, which they want to change the name of every few months so you can't recognize it. But, you know, teaching identity politics, teaching kids that the most important determinant of what happens to them is the color of their skin. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no usefulness in doing that. Have we made mistakes? Absolutely. Are we smart enough to learn from those mistakes? We should be. And yeah. we get to decide what kind of future we want to have. Do we want to build our future? on our mistakes or on our victories. It's a great point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Dr. Ben Carson is the author of the book Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Now, I'm 33. I didn't get to live through the 80s when we saw a lot of the the black culture come into music, into movies. But it looked like, from what I've seen, from what my parents recollect, is that everybody got along. It was a happy time. It was a great time. Coming into the 90s, me as kind of a 90s kid, I saw a little bit of that. But when did we start getting derailed again? Things were doing well. We started seeing equality. Everybody was happy and moving forward together. And then we started seeing another division happen. When was that? Was it during the Barack Obama era? I mean, when did we start seeing racism kind of peak up again? Certainly, uh, there's been a lot more emphasis on race uh, since Barack Obama. You would have thought it would have been just the opposite. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, you know, saying that the police acted stupidly. You know, this could have been my son. You know, focusing on those, and, and, and I wrote a whole chapter about this in the book, focusing on those rare incidents where an unarmed black man is killed by a white police officer. But whenever that happens, it's such a big story, and it's repeated 24-7. You would think that is a common occurrence. Mm. And the fact of the matter is... Uh, you know, in the in the year 2018, last year we have good statistics. And there were over 50 million police civilian encounters, and it was 19 uh, cases where a police officer, white police officer, shot a black person and killed him. Um, you know, you you would never think that it was a case. And they did a survey, and people were saying. Oh, it was probably hundreds or maybe a thousand. It was nowhere near that, but you would get that impression. And, uh, you know, after the George Floyd incident, which was horrendous, that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. There's yeah. no question about it. But that's way off on the distal end of the bell curve that something like that happened. Now, there was another case uh, that was similar in which the police put their, their knee on the person's neck for 14 minutes, and they were saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, and they did die. But you heard nothing about it because it was a white man right. that was killed, and it didn't fit the narrative. And, uh, you know, this is what's so disturbing. We talk about this in the book. You know, look at all those young people being killed in Chicago every week. Does anybody care about it? Nope, not unless they're shot by a white policeman. And, uh, why don't we start concentrating on where the real problems are and deal with that? 
you know, when we're dealing with the issue of slavery, they want you to think that America is the worst place ever because we had slavery. Everybody had slavery. Right. You know, we were not unique in that. We were unique in that we had so many people who had a distaste for it that we were willing to fight a civil war and lose a substantial portion of our population to stop it. Uh, that's something worthy of notation. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the issue of slavery, what we should be telling people is the truth, and that is there are more slaves in the world today than there have ever been in the history of mankind. Mm. And you look, you look at human trafficking, which is a type of slavery, the number one consumer of it, the United States of America. So, yes, there is a slavery problem, and it is existing right now today. Hundreds of thousands of people, horrific lives. Are we doing anything about it? No, we'd rather go back and look 200 years ago and say, you shouldn't have done that. We need to deal with it today. Yeah, putting on the blinders, which is what the left does really, really well. It's Dr. Ben Carson. we got just about two minutes left here before we have to let you go. But you mentioned in your book the hopeful future of race in America. What is that hopeful future? What can we look forward to? And as we continue to battle the 1619 Project, as we continue to battle critical race theory in schools, as we continue to battle some of these things, how can we be hopeful and what do we need to do to continue to fight this and make the future bright for everybody? Well, I think we need to, to, to bring truth into this whole conversation. You know, to, to say that white people are evil because we had slavery in the South without saying that the vast majority of white people in the South didn't own slaves. You know, that's very disingenuous. Uh, to say that our country is built only around the efforts of black people, that's disingenuous. Black people contributed a lot. There's no question about that. And I talk in the book about some of the things that nobody knows that were invented by black people that we use every day. But we've also had people from all other races contribute to that. Our diversity and our way of thinking about things differently has actually been a source of strength and is one of the reasons that we were able to ascend to the pinnacle of the world. We need to make our diversity into a problem. And there are those who want to fundamentally change our nation, and they're using you know, racial identity politics uh, to accomplish that goal. And we have to be smart enough to recognize what they're doing and decide for ourselves where we want to take our future. And we want to build that future on some magnificent things that have happened. And let's talk about those and let's, let's concentrate on those. Let's admit the bad things that have happened. And let's learn from those. That's what smart people do. They learn from mistakes. Yeah. Stupid people try to cover up the mistakes or rewrite the history. There it is. That was Dr. Ben Carson. We chatted with him earlier this week on the Voice of Reasons National Broadcast here on KQAM. And great information. Always love Dr. Ben Carson. What a great guy. He's one of those guys where he is so soft-spoken and he is so insanely intelligent that it was, you know, it's such a contrast between our high energy and sanity that we do in this program a lot of the times. But when he speaks, it's like a guru that just just spews out wisdom and knowledge and so much great information. And we loved it. We loved chatting with him. We'll try and get him on the program again. But it was a great honor to chat with Dr. Ben Carson. Go and check out his latest book on those race relation issues and how we continue to move forward with hopefulness, optimism, which you don't hear about much anymore. It's not a very optimistic world anymore. But yet, we are the glass half full kind of guys here on the program, and that's what we'll continue to be. We'll take a break, wrap up the show today. Last few minutes of the show, if you want to chime in at 316-721-8255. 
316721 talk. I'd love to hear from you. We'll talk about the U.S. Supreme Court. The leaked opinion, is it going to change? And what does it mean for the state of Kansas? All that and more coming up on Kansas Talk here on KQAM. was able to win some tickets the last uh, month, the last few weeks, for the Shinedown concert that was a week or two ago. Hopefully you enjoyed that show. That was awesome. I love it. Love being able to get away those kind of tickets and let people enjoy the heavy metal that comes to Wichita. Always appreciate it. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? A few minutes left of the program as we wrap up Candace Talk for another Saturday. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Andy. It's Nick. Nick, how are you, my friend? Good to talk to you. I'm going for my soft-spoken voice today. There we go. You are uh, smooth, <laughs> and you are just calm and collect. You are the, the Ben Carson. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, what um, if you could think of one subject or issue that could maybe uh, take away some of this identity politics and then have some unity here in Kansas? And I'll give you a couple of hints. It has to do with agriculture. And uh, all, all the all these new proactive parent issues that we're talking about. Um, do you have an, any idea? Um, I think that we could send all the young kids out to work on the farms and get some hard labor under their belt to understand what hard work actually means. God bless you, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> working in the farms. That's right. Putting the seeds in the ground, planting them, and, and raising them. Right. That's what I'm talking well, about. Yeah. You know, I, I. Listening to the to the show this morning, you know, putting down the natural right to access to a plant, putting down asset seizure forfeiture, putting down even politics use disorder or substance use disorder and the like, I think removing statutory cannabis prohibition uh, would help alleviate some of these issues like the uh, raising of the kids properly, like the um, um, issues of discretionary, using this uh, cannabis plan as a discretionary tool for, um, you know, whether or not you bother somebody on the streets, which, you know, we have to admit happens. But I think on the other hand, we had a wonderful interview from uh, Ben Carson, and I appreciated everything that he um, actually said. I do want to say something on on a very serious note, though. We have these parents and everything that are becoming... Uh, aware and awake to everything that's going on and they're becoming involved. But I want to uh, put out a little word of caution to them because we sometimes have not been proactive enough. We may have uh, unrealistic expectations to when it comes to timelines and stuff and and getting things done in, in the current situation. So when we talk about elections have consequences. Yes, we need to go to these meetings now. Yes, we need to, you know, be engaged and, and you know, create networking. But don't uh, expect something to just automatically change uh, within the first six months when we're, you know, getting, getting um, uh, you know, engaged in everything. So keep on the elections. Keep on 
the uh, the fight because it's it, it's eternal uh, vigilance is what it is, and it's for our posterity, no matter what. And you know, of course, I got to call in and talk about the cannabis thing, but uh, uh, I, I'm so glad to see the parents getting out there and getting involved in your show, doing what you're doing, and all the conservatives uh, really getting getting busy. So anyway, Andy. I don't know how much time you have, but I always love uh, participating and listening to your show. Yeah, uh, let's talk. And no, I I appreciate it, and you're you're absolutely right that we are starting to see the engagement with the local communities, with the school boards, with getting involved in you know city even city council meetings, county commission meetings uh, in Wichita and in Cedric County and in other places along the state and across the nation. Just getting involved in those the local politics that really dominates our life. That I don't think we recognized how much they actually dominate our life until the last couple of years mm-hmm. with COVID nineteen. And we weren't aware of Absolutely. how much they actually influenced us until these mask mandates came down and the non-essential businesses being shut down and all the right. craziness that we had to deal with. And I'm like, wow, how did we allow these local community uh, the politicians to have so much control over my life? And I think that that was the wake-up call. Then with the education and the in the curriculums on top of that, I think that it's taken it to another level. So you're right. We're getting engaged. We're late to the game, but we're here now, and hopefully it doesn't just fizzle out because, like you said, the changes actually are in long-term forms, and we have to be aware of that. Well, we've maybe maybe we're going to get away from watching so many uh, Disney movies and start uh, mm. being humble and kind to all the people at the uh, – at the uh, meetings, and and let me tell you, that's the secret ingredient. It's not pounding your fist on the table, demanding action. It's showing love, being humble and kind, and then that will at least get them to break down the walls and allow you to have good two-way communication yeah. and then get those things done that are important to you. But um, Amen yeah, to keep going, and, and uh, you, you take care, Andy, and, and good to talk to you, friend. You as, uh, you as well, Nick. It's good to talk to you. It's been a little bit, so good to chat with you, and you're absolutely right. I uh, on, the, on the pot issue, I will say with the marijuana, I am surprised that the Senate didn't pass that one. Um, we'll see if they do it for the sign and die. If not, there's next year where they can hopefully take it up again. That does it for us today. Everybody have a great weekend. Back at it next Saturday on Candace Talk on KQAM. Reason meets radio. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Brainwashing our children. And you're seeing a silent war right now with parents beginning to finally stand up. So are we starting a war? Yeah, we're starting a war. We're starting a silent war. We're making damn sure that you as the administration, not the teachers, but the administration that abuses the teachers and abuses the children. It's a bunch of crap and we realize it and recognize it we're tired of it the voice of reason with andy hoosier right here on the big talker kqam